Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. It is good to be here on this morning, beginning of September, beginning of a new season in terms of ministry, and uh, I want to just take a moment to commit our time to the Lord and then invite you to open the Word, and we're going to take a look at some of the things that He has to say to us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this community of faith. Thank you for how you have established it and how its identity is firm in you. And I want to thank you, Lord, for uh, its commitment to seeing people become fully devoted followers of you. And so, Lord, as we take a look at these five marks of a disciple this morning, I pray that you, by your spirit, would awaken in us a hunger and a desire to pursue, to know, to understand who you are and what you are calling us to be, so that, Lord, we can enter into the fullness of all that you have prepared for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, five, how to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. Uh, if you're new to Crosspoint, uh, this might seem a little unusual, but every year, Crosspoint reviews what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. They talk about five marks. If you were pray- paying attention in the bumper and not trying to dance, you would have picked them up. They start off with growth, it moves on to pursuit, then to community into service, and ultimately into mission. There is a progression, and growth is at the very beginning. You see, these five marks were defined, a disciple of a disciple were defined, because in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus made this comment. He said, it said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. I'm going to not quote it or read it. I'm just going to try to remember it and see if we catch it. Pay attention. Okay, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. Uh, The word go there in the Greek is a continuous one. It's an imperative. It tells tells you what to do, but it's as you go, as you live, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's the one that we sometimes forget, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the earth. You see, at the very core of Crosspoint is our mission, <clears throat> helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's why it's on that little card that you got. But more than that, we wanted to make sure that it's clear what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. You see, if you're alive, you're growing. Everything that's living grows. Think about it. A plant is a living element, right? We have people in this congregation that really like seeds. If you want to talk about seeds, you need to talk to Christine Stankiewicz. She's planning to do a seed exchange. Why? What's so important about seeds? Well, when you take a seed and you plant it, take care of it, it grows. 
we have an example uh, from Derek's family. James Josiah, by the way, is the little boy's name. And he is going to grow. And as he grows, he's going to develop and change, right? Everything that lives grows. And if you are living in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to grow. And this value or this mark of a disciple is foundational to everything else. Without it, your life in Christ will not mature. So everything grows that's living. Let me give you a couple examples from my life about growing and then consequences of not growing. I was uh, 14 years old. I was playing baseball at a summer camp. I had grown into that stage of life where you grow really fast. And there was a long fly ball hit to the outfield. I went to catch it. My friend went to catch it. We collided. I had broken leg. <clears throat> it was down on my ankle. Took me to the hospital. The doc put a long cast on it. They had to do surgery because the bones were broken in a way they had to sew it back together with a little bit of wire. And they put this cast on. And because of the severity of it at that time, I wore that cast for three months. You know what happens when you try to stifle growth? Everything slows down. It changes everything. It's funny. My left leg is a centimeter shorter than my right leg because of that cast. Things happen in our lives that slow down our growth. Changes it, doesn't it? You see, growth is something we expect. We see it happening around us. You see it in the spring. You plant the seed. You go past your garden. You make sure you water it. And you wait for it to break forward. And then it starts to grow and mature. And you start waiting for the fruit. All of that is part of growth. We all grow. And it's true not only in terms of us physically, but it's also true in terms of us relationally, right? I was looking at Kohlberg's uh, levels of uh, moral authority or moral change or decision-making. Uh, some of you in education remember this stuff. And it starts off with children who are just... Really, they just do whatever is happening around them. And we have to train them, right? We have to speak into their lives. And then after a certain point, they learn that if they do what's right, they get rewarded. And if they do what's wrong, well, there's punishment. There's growth in moral judgment. And we grow up in that. There's emotional growth. As children, we don't control our emotions very well. But then as we grow and we interact with people, we learn to bring control. And we recognize that there's a right use of emotions. There's a right way of expressing emotions. Same is true spiritually. We need to grow spiritually. And that's what this is about. It's about this mark of a disciple is about growing. And if you think it's just for us humans, well, that it is. But it is also in the life of Jesus. You can take a look in Matthew chapter, or sorry, Luke chapter 2. Right at the end of the chapter, it talks about the fact Jesus was 12 years old at this time. He goes up to the temple with his family. 
It's at the Passover. They have the celebration. The family is heading back to Nazareth. And on the way back, they look around and go, where's Jesus? So they go looking for him. Typical 12-year-old, he can disappear in a moment. How many of you have experienced that in your life? We had a very young son. We were in a mall, North Edmonton. And uh, we're walking around in the mall, and all of a sudden, Mark is nowhere to be found. We go looking for him. We think he's been kidnapped. He was cute. We thought he'd been kidnapped. We are running up and down the mall, looking at people, making sure the little stinker was under a table display, hiding, because we played hide-and-seek, and he was being quiet, even though we were calling his name. You see, we grow and we change. And we grow up into all these things. And Jesus was like that. He was growing. He was a 12-year-old. And he goes and his parents come looking for him and they finally find him. And here he is talking with the, the spiritual guys. And he's talking with them and he says, son, you really upset us. Why did you do that? His comment, well, didn't you know I needed to be about my father's business? His self-awareness was growing, wasn't it? But the next line is the important one. It says at this point, Jesus grew in favor and stature with God and men. You see, Jesus was growing. Jesus was changing as a 12-year-old. 12-year-olds in the room, recognize that you can continue to grow and change. And if you're in a relationship with Jesus, it's guiding you in the right way. I was probably, let me see, it would have been grade eight or nine, probably. I'd been in a small one-room or three-room school, pretty small school. And our school got closed, so I got to jump on a bus. And for grade eight, I started at a larger school, which had multiple classrooms for every grade. And I remember being thrown into that mix as a, let me see, that would have been grade eight, so that would have been 13 years old. And as a 13-year-old, I remember being encountered by all these different people, and I was attracted to that group or that group, and I was repelled by that group or that group. And all of a sudden, I had this tension in my life. How do I make a decision about what's right? How do I make a decision that will lead me to live a peaceful, full life? See, I'd grown up in a pretty good home. Mom and dad were followers of Jesus. They had taken and brought us into a church that we had good relationships with. And there was examples of people who, well, all different stages in terms of their economic standing. But in general, the people were happy and peaceful. And I wanted that in my life. So how do I make that decision? I remember in grade eight, starting to realize that the gospel, the good news that God cared about us was so real that if I trusted God, maybe I would experience fullness of life. And I was drawn to that need to have this full expression of life to grow into the fullness of who I could be, grow into a right career, 
grow into right relationships. Live a life that saw me progress and move forward. Life isn't easy, right? I got to say, Christine, wherever you are, there you are. Thank you for the songs this morning. I was crying because those songs spoke <clears throat> into me about who I am and where I'm anchored. <clears throat> and it doesn't matter what the, how good or bad my life is. If it's in Christ, it's good. You see, I came across this verse in Hebrews chapter 5 that made me puzzle. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. You see, Jesus, perfect son of God, through difficult times, learned what it meant to be obedient. And so I recognize that our growing is more than just growing into fullness of things, but it also has to do with the fact that in the difficult circumstances of our lives, that God's presence will help us navigate those times, will lead us through them in such a way that we grow into something more. And so, as a 13-year-old, I started pursuing understanding a little bit of what it meant to grow in Christ. And then John 14 comes along. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when I came across this verse, it started to take on a, a fuller understanding of how it was going to happen. It is really rooted in Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so we need to recognize that and embrace that. And then just a couple of months ago, I came across Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 20. This is the New Century Version. Uh, anytime you come across a verse you really like, you've got to find the translation that best suits who you are. The Bible is translated by different people, right? And so each person has a different way of looking at the same words, and they put them in a different way. And this is the one I like. So, to choose life is to love the Lord your God, obey Him, and stay close to Him. If you're going to grow, you have to choose life. It's a choice. You must choose life. You can't just let it happen to you. You have to intentionally embrace the idea that I want the fullness of all that God has planned. Why God? Well, because he created you. Not only did he create you, but he made you who you are. You were created in his image. And in that sense, he is the one that best understands how you are to grow. What is going to shape you? And you want to know something? When difficult things come into your life, he's ready to take those things and use them to mold you in a way that will give you resilience in a way that will allow you to move forward in life and find purpose and intention. I don't have this verse on the slides, but I'm going to pull it out. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, about uh, verse 2 or 3, right at the beginning of the 2 Corinthians. 
We need to give thanks to our God and Father, who is a comforter, who comforts us in every circumstance, so that we might comfort others with the same comfort we have received. Did you catch that? The difficult things you go through, when God meets you in them, when he starts to work in those things, it sets the foundation for the way you care for others. So growing, this is paramount. What does this mean? Well, this is what the statement is in our five marks. This is how the five marks are defined. And growth is this. A disciple, if you're a disciple with growth, you live a surrendered life under Christ's leadership. Surrender includes glad obedience and dependence. When our lives are surrendered, it will lead to transformation through the Spirit's power. This is the most important characteristic because without it, the other marks cannot flourish. By the way, if you have that little card with a vision statement on it, in this statement on growth, you'll find parallels throughout your vision statement. That vision statement really captures your heart for discipleship. And so I want to encourage you, as Brenda said, reflect on that and start praying and saying, Lord, what kind of pastor can take hold of this vision and guide us, speak into this, so that we might grow into all that God has prepared for us? I like this verse from 1 Thessalonians 5. It's one of the key verses in the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, Christ-centered life. See, we believe that Jesus Christ is Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. And this particular verse is used as the verse to give definition or shape to sanctification. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And then this catchphrase at the end, God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. So have you been called? Have you been called to be a follower of Jesus? Have you been called and responded to that call? In other words, you said, yes, I want the Lord Jesus to be a part of my life to shape me. I'm committed to that. Well, if you have a desire to grow and you're committed to growing in him, then God is committed to make it happen in you. It's a partnership. You don't do it alone. Your part is to choose life. His part is to allow you to grow into all that he's called you to be. I had a thought and it disappeared. I'm sorry about that. Probably isn't that important. So growth starts with knowing yourself. You need to understand yourself. I came across two quotes. The first one is uh, Catherine of Siena. And uh, this is an interesting one. The soul who is filled by a very great yearning and desire for the honor of God and the salvation of souls. When I read this line, I got, this is cross point. A great and yearning desire for honor of God 
and the salvation of souls. It begins by exercising herself for a certain space of time in an ordinary virtues, remaining in the cell of self-knowledge in order to know better the goodness of God towards her. Do you understand what that's saying? We need to understand who we are, our strengths and our weaknesses. Why? Because when we come to understand our strengths and weaknesses, and we have chosen life, we start to see the goodness of God and how he has worked in our lives or for our lives. And then we come to appreciate how he has gone before us. I've been in ministry for 40 plus years, been a follower of Jesus for 60 plus years. And I can tell you this, not one element of my life has been wasted in terms of God's purposes in developing me and developing me into who I am today. Whether it be my character, you see, when I was a kid, a little kid, I was a selfish little brat. And I still have some selfish tendencies. I have to admit that. But I'm a long ways from what I was. And when I think about where I started in terms of my pursuit of a career, and I arrived today to where I am in terms of serving in transitional ministries, I have to tell you that I can go through all my ministry life and I can show the progression of how God equipped me for today. That's what self-awareness is about. It's coming to understand who we are and how we have been shaped and how we have arrived. Because when you do that, you come to appreciate the greatness and goodness of God. And you start to identify the ways he moves and shapes you. And that becomes a way of speaking into the lives of others. As you listen to them, as you conver have conversation with them, one of the things that happens, you start to hear those places where their lives parallel your life. And all of a sudden, you're able to say, in your life, this is an issue. I had that same thing happening, but this is how God led me. And he wants to do the same for you. Can I pray for you? Self-awareness. Being aware of who you are opens you up to understanding the goodness of God. The second one is uh, Catherine of Siena, by the way, is a contemplative from a long time ago. You can look her up. She's really old. Mother Angelica is more modern. I, when I saw this quote, I had to go look her up because she's from the 20th century. And uh, so for some of you, that's a long time ago, but the 20th century is what I lived, half of it. But I got to say, uh, this lady did a television show and I uh, went and listened to a couple clips. And f for a Catholic nun, a mother superior, she is hilarious. You got to go and listen to her. She is fun. My failures, I like this. My failures may be my greatest successes. It is in failure that I have often drawn closer to God, learned to depend more on Him than myself, gaining self-knowledge and seeing things in their right perspective. Isn't that a great line? So if you want to grow, you better know yourself. Pursue an understanding of who you are, to see how God has worked in you, to see how God continues to want to work. 
Because I want to tell you, when you start looking at yourself, you start to see some of the wrinkles. That's why I try to avoid the mirrors in my house. But the reality is that in knowing ourselves, we see how God has shaped us, but we also start to see the places that we still need to be shaped. You see, knowing yourself exposes your need for God's direction in your life. But growth that leads to but growth leads to the maturity. But when you are mature, you can still grow. Did you know that? When I listened, I read this or thought about this. I go, huh? <clears throat> Why do we live so long? I mean, the purpose of all things in creation, all living things grow to reproduce, right? If you take a look at the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, you'll see that he had plants, and each plant produced after its own kind. Then he had animals in the sea, fish, birds, they produced after their own kind. Then there was all the other animals that creep on the earth, and they produce after their own kind. And we as human beings, we produce after our own kind. James is an example. But the reality is, all those animals, plants, the majority of them, once they finish producing, their lifespan is very short. They die because their purpose has been completed. But what about us, what about us as human beings? After we've finished the productive cycle, we continue to live 20, 30, 40 years. What's that about? I have a theory. Nobody has proved me wrong yet. But then I haven't told anyone else the theory, so I'm safe. I believe that we allow, we're allowed to live longer for a couple of reasons. One, our children need us longer. Two, we deal with life much more complex than an animal's life. And the result is it takes us longer to learn the lessons. We're slow learners, in other words. And third, for us to grow into the image of God that he has established in us takes a whole lifetime to embrace. Now, if you can prove me wrong, I welcome the conversation. But the reality is, is that God wants us to grow into the fullness of all that we can be. And it continues after we mature. Am I sure about that? I am. Ephesians chapter 4. It starts at verse 14 there. Then we will no longer be immature like children. This is talking about the spiritual gifts that Jesus gives to the church. They are given for the equipping of the saints so that they might grow into the fullness of who Christ is. We are no longer immature. We won't be tossed about and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. And it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing 
and full of love. By the way, you can take this little passage and compare it to your vision statement, and you can see it all the way through your vision statement also. You see, even as you mature, your calling is to help other people mature. And as we work together, do ministry together, as we move forward in serving Christ together, we grow up and mature, we grow as a community in terms of our strength and support of each other, as our ability to welcome new people in. Every time we mature some more as a community of faith, the ability to open up the doors in the new ways for Christ to bring new people amongst us, that's the truth. That's what happens. And so we need to grow. In other words, we need to be lifelong learners. We choose life. Now, for some of you who are visiting here with us or have been attending for a while, you haven't made the choice to follow Jesus. That's something you're still deciding. I have to tell you, choosing life to love the Lord your God, to obey Him, and to stay close to Him, these lead us into a life that is full and magnificent. It's an adventure that leads us not only to care about ourselves, but to see beyond ourselves and see the world around us. Now, there are things that hinder our growth as followers of Christ and as people who are still deciding. My cast at 14 years old that broke my when I broke my leg, it hindered the growth in my body. It was sin. It wasn't God's intention in a sense. I used that word sin casually there. It's not true. It was an accident that happened. I suffered the consequences. But when we make decisions to live our lives differently than what God wants us to live, every time we make a decision that doesn't fall into God's directions, it hinders us in our maturing and our growing into the fullness of who God is. And it doesn't matter if you're not a follower of Christ or you are a follower of Christ, this is still true. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that sin has no more influence in your life. Every time you allow sin to be experienced in your life, it hinders your growth in Christ. And that's why God has called us for repentance. He's opened the door and he said, when you sin, if you acknowledge it, I will forgive you. And I will give you life. And so for those of you who are still in the process of choosing, deciding, I encourage you. The life that God has given and promises is a life that is full of dyna dynamic events. There are events that cause us to grow and mature into the fullness of everything that we could be. It leads you into careers that will meet your needs, fulfill your intentions. It will put you in relationships with people that will continue to strengthen and build you, but also the opportunity to help other people grow into the fullness of who they are. So I encourage you, 
Choose life. As followers of Jesus, choose life so that you can grow. As people deciding, I encourage you to choose life so you can experience the fullness of God's love for you and his care. A true disciple of Jesus is a lifelong learner. I'm over 70 years old, and I have to tell you, there's a whole lot more to learn. And I'm invested in knowing what God wants me to do next. Are you? Are you invested in knowing what he has for you tomorrow? I pray you do. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, I thank you this morning for this initial mark of a disciple. Someone who chooses life to grow. To see every aspect of their life mature into the fullness of what you intended for it. And so I thank you for this group of people who have taken steps to understand and pursue and know and make a decision about growing, about choosing life. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be present with them, guiding them in that decision. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.